that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk, of course, and joining me as normal, Dermot Nolan. Hello, Dino. How are you, Dermot? Has, has to be said, Dean, we, we, we give you fierce criticism on this podcast, but last week, as Paddy was shouting about before the podcast started here, uh, you really knocked it out of the park tipping-wise last weekend, Dino. Ah, look, cliff horses have to win sometime, Dermot. And if you if you constantly <laughs> talk don't. about them... Blaster Coleman hasn't won in a long time. <laughs> Blaster Coleman, yeah. Jeez, I remember when we used to talk about horses like Lemons Gent and Santa Fisio and Bossy Guest. And yeah, you go, the list is endless. I've got a few new ones now. So, you know, eventually they, they come good. But yeah, thank you. There was a, a couple of nice um, ones out the weekend. And we nearly also landed like the lights of the Labrook and stuff like that but there was some some fascinating racing of course this podcast though is not all about that this week it's a bit of a, a ramble through uh, I don't know what do we call it a third of the way through the the national hunt season I guess as we approach the busy Christmas period and then uh, on and beyond so um joined by two um well experts on the topic you've got me in Dermo and I don't count us so uh Paddy Aspel is here Paddy how are you afternoon guys Good to have you along, and uh, and thank you again for your company. And uh, and Don McLean is back. Don, we've had you on once already this season. It's becoming a more regular occurrence, and uh, delighted to have you back on, Don. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've managed to wheel my way back in after a couple of weeks, yeah, of uh, getting over the last one. Um, but yeah, look, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good. No, great, great. Del- delighted to be here, Dean. Anytime you, you want to have me, now, delighted to come on. Yep. Well, you keep texting me, and we keep. Talking. <laughs> this is this is this is what we want. I once ended Paddy Mullins's uh, career on uh, Cheltenham Preview Night, so I'm glad to say I haven't done that quite yet to to yourself, um, Don. Um, you know, for different circumstances and an interesting um, uh, uh, th- development, I guess this this week is that the the Pat's Muller memoir, uh, Champion, is is finally coming to to bookshops and. Um, and obviously, you know, something that you've been involved in putting together for some time. And whilst the book probably comes too soon for everyone connected to Pat Smullen and racing fans and everything, it is going to be out on Friday, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's 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 out, Dean. Um, yeah, my, my one concern is that it does semi-justice to the man that Pat Smullen was. Everybody knows how, how brilliant a person he was, how brilliant a jockey he was. And I suppose the only person who didn't fully appreciate how good he was as a jockey was himself he was always trying to improve and always figuring that he needed to work hard to be where he was and retain the position that he was but uh, that he was in but um yeah look nine-time champion jockey he was a brilliant rider and yeah look what a what a man he was a phenomenal man but no it was a real privilege dean to work with him and with francis his wife on the book and yeah i just hope it does justice to him Sure, I'm sure it does. I mean, you might need seven books or something to to go through everything that, that Pat Smullen went through um, in his racing career, and then of course um, towards the end with the battle with with pancreatic cancer. And uh, Demo, I always remember the line that when I was new to Ireland and talking about racing was, "All you want to see is Pat Smullen's ass in the air coming around the bend at Galway, and you know you're on a winner." <laughs> yeah, literally. My uh, there was an old man back home who used to always say, "It's uh, 
he preferred looking at Pat Mullins' arse than any woman's arse, and it was it was always like, <laughs> yeah, the right same because all, always on RTE. You know, when you'd be watching and you'd be turning in and you'd see the old the old purple and yellow uh, silks on him belting away from the field, and he was just a, he, he was just a masterful jockey. Um, everything he did always. Uh, I remember was it what was the name of the the uh, Hugo Palmer horse, Covert Love, wasn't it? That uh, he won over in at the uh, the Ark meeting on, and mm-hmm. it was just one of the most masterful rides I've ever seen. And he just completely bossed a whole field that day. And as Pat Smolin said, then he get off afterwards, and all all he spoke about was the um, was how good a job the trainers did when really mm-hmm. that ride won the race, and it was as simple as that. He he was just an absolute superstar was that day at Longshop. Yeah, he was just absolutely brilliant. He, he beat Jazzy Top and we are that day, but it was completely Pat Smullen that, that won that race. And yeah, he was just a superstar, Dean. And most of all, even for the, the little guys like us, we'd be looking for an interview here and there or just a few words. He was always he was always very uh, forthcoming, which you can't say about everybody, you know? Yep, an, under, an understated man and a, and a genius in the saddle. Paddy, you... Um maybe bumped into him a few times? Yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, I remember my old man used to talk about him plenty because he always talked about this very easy-going fella from... I'm pretty sure he was Offaly, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, um, rode in Offaly, yeah. Do you know, he always said, sort of always always took him off the way he went on. And he, he was like a, um, a, a an old man in a young man's body, the way he sort of carried on. But that was his attitude the whole way through life. But in the saddle... It was like a completely different human, you know. He didn't give an inch. He was very, very good. He was world class, wasn't he? And obviously taken far too soon. And I think I always remember back, I think the biggest memory is just even on the, the day when they had the race at, at the Curra, the, the AP one. I mean, it's very, very rare you see AP show that kind of emotion, but you just see how much the whole thing meant. And it was it was massive on the day. And anything that's, you know, sort of brings back some good memories about the great man is is can only be positive. Yep, totally agree. Um, okay, so that that book is out Friday. Do um, do check out Donna. I've no doubt you've 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 done the man justice. But how do you get it all into one book? Uh, a life like that. So have to um, read and find look, out, won't we? <laughs> we'll look forward to it. I look forward to it. Indeed, I do. Okay, so the purpose of this podcast, slightly different to uh, the normal weekly race hours you've been enjoying over the last couple of weeks, is we're going to do a bit of a review of the season so far and where we were going to start and why not demo. And I get tired of saying it, but then I also love saying it is that the horse sponsored by the race hour, Honeysuckle, with no monetary value involved, um, is heading up the champion hurdle picture. And after what we saw uh, just at the weekend and what we've seen from some of the other protagonists, uh, either burst bubbles or not quite. Um, not quite send them up into the stratosphere, as you would have hoped. Uh, Honeysuckle's in uh, in great shape. Don said on this podcast just a few weeks ago that the two-to-one about Honeysuckle compared to with the two-to-one around for Shishkin was a different gravy in terms of value. And Demo, I'm going to start with you, uh, she's going to win the champion hurdle. She most certainly is. Um, she's just a superstar, Dean. You know, we were devastated that time when at, um, at Fairy House and when she, you know, she was a mayor's novice, sure. We had her very big prices on this podcast for the mayor's novice, and she didn't make it. We were we were absolutely devastated. But even even us who adored her from day one, and we we didn't even expect this. You know, like she's she's just a superstar, and everything she does is just so easy. And like beforehand, she used to kind of tie herself up a bit at the end, 
and it seems like she's kind of she's even getting a bit more genuine and straightforward the older she's getting she's just you know like she devoured ronald pump and like ronald pump like he's a quality horse but a, a really good trainer over that trip as well and then before that like she's, she's just beating charge abacadabra she's, she's just putting them all away so easy benny to do beforehand as well she's just effortless in everything she does and I just think we're looking at a great. The question I'd like to ask Don and Patty, and Patty as well, Dean, is: Would yep. you'd you'd nearly back her at six to four without her claim, wouldn't you, for a champion hurdle at the moment? Without the claim, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's an interesting angle. Um, yeah, well, why don't we ask? How do you go first? Well, I think off the back of the other day, because I thought it was really interesting. They switched things up, didn't they? How they ride Ronald Pump, and they maybe tried to eyeball her and see if that was going to work. But like I've always mentioned on here, it's a real blessing for Rachel, the way she's able to ride Honeysuckle because she doesn't need dropping out. She doesn't need sending forward. She doesn't need to go down the inner. It's kept very, very simple. So it's very difficult to box her in or make life hard for her. But the other day, although it was only, it was only for about 200 yards, they tried to run the finish out of her. And the way she came back on the bridle and she didn't really idle. She generally always goes in and pops the last, doesn't she? Because when she's out in front on her own. But that the other day looked like, believe it or not, she'd actually improved again. Because, Mm. you know, I think Ronald Pump has run his race and they were worth trying something different because up until now, you know, they, 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 um, they they were coming second best to the great mayor. But... You know, it was worth a go the other day, and I'm not saying it backfired. I think he's run his race, but the mayor looked better again, if it's at all possible. So, off the back of that the other day, is she still on the improve? I thought visually, when Rachel was taking the tack off her in the winner's enclosure, visually, she actually looked like she'd improved again. So, I, I certainly think, even off levels, you, you couldn't say that, that she's not a she's not a bad price. I was going to worry there that you weren't going to answer that actual question, but you got there. And yeah, I think... Yeah. You did that I beautifully. Yeah. That is a real and, season pro now, isn't he? He really got to the answer at the end there beautifully. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's see what Don does with this. Six to, <laughs> six, six to four off levels, Don. Uh, honeysuckle against the field in the anti-post list. Yeah, like the thing about Honeysuckle is, and I've been saying this for a while, you don't know how good she is. We won't know how good she is until she's got beaten, until she's been beaten. And, yep. you know, people do make the point that she gets seven pounds from the geldings every time she races. And it, it's, a, it's a point and it's correct. But she just has so much in hand. And she's she almost always she's got way more in hand than the bare winning margin. I suppose the one time that she gave people a bit of a scare was in the Hatton's Grace Hurdle last year when Ronald Pump got to within, within a half a length of her. Yep. That was her least impressive performance, possibly of her of her whole career. Carver Star maybe as well. Don was kind of one that you kind of yeah. Oh, that that was a weird one because she went and won the race, didn't she? Yeah, and then she and went and idled at the last. Her, yeah, but like R- Rachel's a brilliant rider, but she she doesn't need to be perfection on honeysuckle. I think no. because honeysuckle has so much in hand, and as you were saying there, Paddy, you can ride her wherever you want. She's so uncomplicated. And on Sunday, Rachel actually went for home a wee bit earlier than ideal and, and le- legitimately so, because you didn't want a mare like Stormy Ireland who had a chance and was really strong in the market. She was really well back beforehand. So Rachel was right to not let Stormy Ireland get too big a march on her. I mean, if Stormy Ireland had got clear and Honeysuckle hadn't caught her, that would have been, you know, that obviously what <laughs> wouldn't have been what you would have wanted. So she kept her within yep. her sights. And therefore, when, when Stormy Ireland did weaken, she was left in front. 
earlier than ideal. I mean, easy in hindsight saying she got there too early, but at the same time, given the information that we had when Stormy Ireland was going clear and skipping along, she had to keep it within sight. She, she couldn't let it get so far away. It wasn't Rachel Blackmore's fault that Stormy Ireland weakened as quickly as she did. Therefore, Honeysuckle was left there against a really top class there in Ronald Pump with a top class two and a half mile horse an entry hurdle winner and Abby Cadabras behind her and she went and won really impressively again despite doing her usual little kind of having a look at the final flight so I, I just I just think she's a bottomless pit Dean like we, we mm. don't know how good she is and seven pounds and oh seven pounds like it's very difficult to argue that if she had to carry seven pounds more she wouldn't have won on Sunday or in most of the races in, in, in which she's competed. So I just think that whatever the situation is, you start off with Honeysuckle is, is the most likely winner and work back from there. Like, you know, it, 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 it is a massive concession that the Phillies or the Mares get seven pounds from the Gallians, but it's very easy to argue that Honeysuckle doesn't need it. Yes, I, I would agree with that totally. And we saw one of the other Mares um, who also gets concession in, in Epitont there just... Struggled to get the job done, although it was a satisfactory return, I guess. We've seen Echoes and Rain figure at the top of this market and then drop back down after a seasonal reappearance. We know a lot of the other horses are going to skip. We're even hearing that um, uh, Abracadabra, as Gordon Elliott calls Abracadabra, is going to go to the stayers. <laughs> um, so uh, they're all running probably for cover. And it's, yeah, Don, I'll stick with you. If Is there a set of tactics? Is there a horse that can trouble Honeysuckle and Champion Hurdle if they all turn up fit? there probably isn't Sharjah is is rightly the next best in the market but is there something yeah it, it's very hard to see it isn't it like you know you could make the case for echoes and rain but she's got buckets to find and look yeah. you can you can easily allow her run the last day they didn't go any pace she was free and behind it just wasn't a running she'll be a better mare with the faster pace and a bigger field but it's hard to see like even going down through the, the list it's very hard to see where it's going to come from and even like i was lucky enough to sit down with henry de had there last week and watch the video of the of the champion hurdle with him and yeah. when they when they turned to come down the hill they kind of quickened and Rachel just had to give her a squeeze and henry even as he was watching the pessimist that henry de had is even as, as he was watching he was kind of going oh she had to give her a squeeze there <laughs> all of a sudden she pinged the third last and she's right back in the bridle and circling the field so it just shows you how much she has in hand, and that was the champion hurdles. So they were the best two mile hurdles. Look, unless something I don't know, like appreciated a Fernie Hollow, were mm. to go champ uh, the hurdles route, or Bob Ollinger, you know, well he won't. But you know, something something like that. But Abacadabras, he he can't beat her over two miles, and it's a, it's a legitimate plan to step him up and trip. Um, Sharjah. Very, very good horse. Just unlucky that he's been bumping into mares in the last champion hurdle. So um, it's hard to see him beating her. Epitant, it's hard to see her coming back and beating her. Eccleston Range, she'd have to improve an awful lot to beat her. So it's very, very difficult to see where it's going to come from. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree. You're almost looking for the one that might go chasing that then reverts back a la Bouvardet. Paddy, anything? Well, I suppose... Because she was so good the other day and, and her price has, has gotten even more solid, you are getting the value, obviously, because uh, it's about 10 to 1 the field now, isn't it, after it is. the mayor? Um, but it's we haven't really got um, an up-and-coming sort of maybe improver, a, a younger legs, a young gun, uh, however you want to phrase them, coming along. It, it looks to me to be a pretty open and shut case, uh, given... A clear round for the mayor. It's 
for me, you, you, you're it's a race you'd be looking to to back without the fav. And if you are doing that, you're getting plenty of value. But for now, there's nothing really coming out of the woodwork for me that would that would have me um, thinking that she's very very short at the head of the market. Sure. Okay. Well, look, let's celebrate her. She's here. Let's hope she continues her legacy. It would be great if there was something to give her a challenge, but I still get the impression she'd still get it done. And she's not going chasing because of this division is the way this division is. Um, all right. Uh, we'll move on from there, Dem. I don't need to ask you. I know the answer yeah. is that, that Honey will get it done. Uh, we're going to come on to the Gold Cup picture. This has changed a little bit in the first uh, third of the National Hunt season, of course, after a Plutard's uh, domination and demolition job uh, over on uh, the UK side of the waters. Um, we've seen Manella Rindo, we've seen Envoir Allen, we've seen Chantry House, um, a few of the others we haven't seen, um, but the Gold Cup picture is taking shape. And Don, I know um, last year's Gold Cup um, you know, you, you nailed early and then went through the process of seeing all the new evidence. And, you know, Benetli Indo got it done. A Plutard is currently three to one favorite to win uh, you know, next year's Gold Cup <laughs> when it comes at the end of the season. Um, to me, that screams like a terrible price this far out. But the right horse may be at the top. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I. Look, there's no bigger fan of Aplitard than me. I, I, I've been a fan of his for quite some time, and um, he was brilliant at Haydock. But I think there's probably a recency bias on that price. I think the fact that his devastating performance at Haydock is the last thing he's done and the last thing we've seen, or one of, one of the last things we've seen in the Gold Cup picture. I think yep. he's. I, I agree with you, Dean. I think he's probably too short. If you go back and look at the Gold Cup last year or last season, he just he he kind of he didn't jump with the same fluency that Manella Indo jumped with. It, he he yeah. just got in a wee bit tight to some of his fences, and whereas Manella Indo was just flowing. Oh, and I think he made one mistake early on, but after that he flowed. Everything just went his way. I thought he won with a wee bit more in hand than the bare winning margin, even in, in um, Jack, when Jack Kennedy in his interview with, with Patrick Mullins there in the Racing Post yesterday, he said that you know he was kind of idling, and when he felt after tired coming to him, he went on again. I just thought he won with buckets in hand and he's been beaten at down rod so there's your recency bias in there again against Manella Indo and in favour of absolute tired and I think look Henry de Bromhead almost certainly has the two best things steeplechases in training he's he's Paul Nichols in the Cato Star Denman era isn't he yes. and Manella Indo I just think he's a Cheltenham horse he won the Albert Bartlett hurdle at, I think he was 40 or 50 to 1 that day after running with the choke out for most of the way and I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about his defeat at Dan Royal I think that's that's him. He's a stuffy horse. He needs plenty of racing. He comes on for his runs. And even Ruby Walsh was in the paddock at Dan Royal that day. He said even before the race that he thought he'd come on for it. So, yeah, I, I, I would have the two Henry de Bromhead horses a, a wee bit closer in the betting than they are. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. There's a, there's a few sexy-ish profiles in here um, below them. And Paddy, I'll, I'll come to you. A Plutard was the, was the way I framed uh, this to Don as being the right favourite. And I think you know, there's argument there that Don's made him pretty well that, that, that they should be closer together. Uh, talk to me about the top of the market there, Paddy. Yeah, they probably should be closer together. Believe it or not, I mean, you, you feel, you do feel you know, you've been very hard on these top class horses when you're you're trying to pick holes. But, you know, that's what mm. that's what we're here to do. But if you look through Aplutard's record, he's never actually gone back to back in wins. Now, the other day he looked phenomenal um but 
I think ground-wise, there was a few of them horses really do prefer in, in the, the Haydock race to be going in a lot further than what they were. And I think the race was over pretty quickly and just fell apart a little bit. But nonetheless, he never came out of hack canter. Um, it's interesting, the Gold Cup, there's no doubt the winner uh, was only doing what he needed to do from the back of the last. But I've very, very rarely seen Rachel Blackmore's body language so deflated when she passed the line, obviously it was a stable mate that beat her. She, I'm pretty sure she she would have had the choice on the day, would she? Or or did yeah did yeah, they, yeah yeah she would yeah, she would have yeah, had the choice yeah. yeah. You know, so and I've never seen her so deflated and visually gutted afterwards that she knew maybe that things just didn't exactly go to plan for her. Um, so yeah, it's very very interesting. Off the back of Saturday's race. He was going to end up pretty, uh, maybe not great value at Plutard, but I think it's interesting if 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 you do get a bit sort of pernickety and look down to his form, never has actually gone back to back in regards wins. So that's maybe a box he's got to tick in. So you're probably getting a little bit more value uh, with Manella Endo at round about sixes for now, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. Let's extend it out then, okay? So, Demo, we talked about those top two, and the t- the two chaps there have done that uh, superbly well. Um, what's coming in behind them in the Gold Cup from what you've seen so far? Yeah, this is the, the this is the golden question. Obviously, I was gutted with Eclat the rear last uh, last weekend, Dean. Um, I, I still wouldn't have him down as a Gold Cup course per se, but I wonder if they got a few pounds down for something like the uh, the Ultima because. Uh, I think all of Henry de Bromwich's horses at Newbury, they all seem to run terribly. So I'm willing to to forgive him, but not to a degree that I'll be backing him for a Gold Cup, but just moving on from him. But Chantry House is obviously the kind of clear one. Um, you know, we, we just have to see him in a proper race, first of all. Obviously, because, you know, last time out, we didn't learn a, a whole pile beating the, the big breakaway, albeit as easily as he did. But um, you still didn't learn a whole pile there. Um, but... As it comes to the horses after him, he's he's the main one. And by Alain, uh, very interesting going in for the John Durkin this this weekend. I still have an awful feeling that Envoy Alain is going to end up over two miles in the Champion Chase. Um, I but that's probably just a feeling. But I just thought the way that Henry de Bromwood was very quick to kind of say that uh, put the kettle on, we'll be going up and trip. I just wondered he he'd have to have something else maybe for that race for that kind of David theory. Mullen said that on our Cheltenham preview night. I don't know if anyone will recall that if they watched it but he said it wouldn't be unlike Henry to to completely flip this one on its head and send Envoy Allen to to a race like that next time round so yeah I think that's a that's a fair yeah a fair option yeah but he's the kind of horse thank god that you know you've all those options with him which is great but Chantreau's is the main one. There is an argument that album photo at twenty to one is probably a bit too big. Um, it has to be remembered in the Gold Cup that Paul Townend was going to go on the outside of. I completely agree with Don. By the way, the, going into that race the last time, or sorry, into the last podcast, I was maybe not as impressed with Melinda, but I watched it back and he was. I thought he he was even when um, Ace retired made that kind of run at him late on. Mm. Uh, he was still holding him comfortably enough. Uh, Album Photo, though, was going for that gap when Rachel brilliantly completely blocked him off, and he ran on very well as well. So 20-1 to 1 on him, and possibly with more of a prep this year as well, might be interesting with him. And then afterwards, you're looking at the, at the likes of Galvin, Loss in Translation, you know, Alaho, these, the, or sorry, obviously Alaho, we go to Ryanair. So, like, 
The rest of them are there. Lost in translation. He'd be very interested if he ever bounced back to that year when he was brilliant against Santini and Alvin Foto. But his problem yeah. is is that he's just so all over the place. Um, so, yeah, like, it's a strange division. But at the moment, for me, the one that I would have as the biggest challenger to the front two is definitely Chantry Housing. Okay. Uh, Don, same question to you. What's coming in behind? You mentioned a few of them there. Um, you know, floor, floor is yours. Which yeah. ones would, would we go for? As, as Jeremy says, Chantry House is the obvious one. He's the, the, the Marsh Chase winner from last season, stepping up to who gets further, who won over at, at entry over three miles, albeit um, aided by Esparta Rome's fall, and then just came out and did what he needed to do at Sandown last time. So he's mm. the obvious one. Um, yeah, it's hard to see. Like Galvin, very, very good horse, but you'd kind of be surprised maybe if he if he turned out to be good enough to win a gold cup. Album photo is going to be 10 in March or in January, and it's very hard. Like, it's very, very hard. Friends you, aren't there for that, Don, are they? No, like, you, just, you love Album photo, but he's won two yeah. gold cups. He finished third in another gold cup. It's very difficult to see him going and winning winning it again. You know, that would be, it'd be some performance now if he were to go and do that. Um, if Fakir Duderi stayed, although we found out twice last year that he didn't stay, he could... You know he's a massive price now. He's sixty-six to one or something. He he's yeah. one who might just progress if he he might go in the John Durkin chase now. On Sunday he's entered in it. We haven't got final declarations yet, but if he were to, I don't know as an as a slight as an older horse six going seven, if he could just improve in his stamina a wee bit, and you know if it, it we we've had a little bit of evidence now, but you know is it enough to definitively say say he doesn't stay three and a quarter miles maybe it is and maybe it's it's just in the you know for the sake of looking for something but mm. no i i think Aplutar and manella indo i i do think they're i think paddy's point is right about envalen i i think if he ran in the gold cup he'd be he'd have a right chance of winning it but there's a great chance the way that henry is talking he's got to be two and a half miles and no, and no more because he does have a lot of pace um yeah. It'll be interesting now, Manella Indo, if he goes for the King George, that'll be very interesting to see how he gets on on a flat track and a, a dead three miles as opposed to at Cheltenham over three and a quarter. So, and there is a good there is a good chance that he'll go there with Aplu Tard. Of course, he has to go left-handed going to the Savills chase instead. So it's going to be an interesting Christmas ahead. But no, I, I think Aplu and Manella Indo, for me, they're, they're head and shoulders above anything else in the Gold Cup picture at the minute. Okay. And sometimes there's no point trying to find something um outside of that um outside of that front two, especially when the third ones are in the same camp, Paddy. Um do you do you want to offer something up from below the ranks? Um I think it's difficult. I mean, because price wise, outside the likes of sort of you know, that there's a little bit of a, a gap once you get outside Envoy Allen really. Um so you're not exactly putting your head right on the block. I mean, I think, was there anything came to light at all about um, a glat the rear after Newbury the other day? Because it was just horrific. It was it was just too bad to be true. Um, but Same thing was with, with the other ones as well. His other two runners on the day as well, Paddy. They just, they just, that, that's why like I love a high senior, but, that Mr. Invincible just, just never raised a leg. And Eklat Rear seemed to make a mistake at the first, didn't he? And he just never got back into it really again. No, and was never... I, I, thought, I thought he travelled well. Like, going down the back straight, I backed him. I thought I was happy enough with him. 
early on. I was, he was in a nice position, nice rhythm. But then he just, I, I, I thought there was something up. I, I thought there was something wrong. I was surprised that something didn't come to light directly afterwards, that he lost his shoe or whatever. That something happened to him. But it doesn't seem that anything has come directly to light. Yeah, no, because he was he kind of made a mistake, wasn't going. Then all of a sudden he was, as you say, he travelled up lovely altogether. But then, yeah, it just seemed to be that one fence, Don. He just went out mm. like an absolute light. He was just gone. Um, so, yeah, it was a very, very strange run. But I thought the same thing happened with the other two runners as well of Henry de Bromhead. So I don't know if uh, something has come come to mm. light with the three of them. But all three of them, the same kind of same situation happened, I thought, anyway. And you would have felt Demo and Paddy would have had to do something special to win off the weight he had that day. And that would have put him in the picture. Now it's back to a drawing board there. Yeah. And I think, Demo, even you suggested potentially, you know, they go back and you know, once they find out what is going on, maybe lower the sights. And that's probably realistic. Okay. Um, Envoy Allen is the one that I'm super excited about potentially running the Gold Cup, but everyone's saying that might not happen, which is, means the eight to one is I've got to be well left alone at this point. Um, okay. I wanted to throw the stairs hurdle into the mix just briefly before we take a break on the Race Hour podcast. Um, sadly, of course, um, latest exhibition, who was going to be, looked all um ends up going to be um lined up for a stairs hurdle tilt uh, we lost um during the week which is which is terrible um but the market there is um is a bit of a horlix don in terms of classical dream we don't know when we might might not see classical dream when we do you wait for the market to react uh buzz who's entering the picture i guess time hill who let everybody down in france but it wouldn't be the first horse to go to france and not enjoy it flooring porter is last year's winner is it's seemingly at a very big price and then good luck trying to work out what the rest might come i guess the latest thing is that abracadabras could end up in here yeah just to echo your thoughts on latest exhibition dean it was desperate like really it yep. was you know such an exciting horse having he was unlucky last year as a chaser that, you know, bar Monkfish, he'd have been a, a multiple grade one winner. And yep. then the back of our hurdles, it was exciting. And I uh, look, you have to feel for Paul Nolan and Jim Mern and all the team and Brian Cooper as well. Yep. Just, uh, I was desperate, yeah. Um, and on the stairs hurdle picture, yeah, it's a little bit of a mishmash, isn't it? A lot depends on Classical Dream. He looks so good at Pontchestown and we know he's got Cheltenham Festival form. He won a Supreme Novices hurdle, but he is fragile. So we just need to see him back out. I think before... You couldn't back him for a stairs hurdle before he were to, he ran he ran again or before he runs again, and if he runs again and wins, he'd be a five five to two shot instead of a five to one shot. <laughs> so yeah. it's a conundrum that one. Yeah, Buzz. Yeah, look, he was very good at Ascot. I thought over two and a half miles, and he's won a Cesarovich. So there's every chance that he will get three miles. It's not a given, but there's every chance he will. Time Hill. Yeah, it's like it's hard to know, isn't it, with with the French run because you know he, he did he did battle well to get the better Roxana, and that was his first run since. The long walk hurdle, I think, when Paisley Park beat him the time before. That's, that's right. So he's yeah. So he's a he's a horse who could who should progress, but he's not under the radar or anything like it. Yeah, I think Florian Porter might be underrated because he does have his quirks, and we know that. And you know, he he, he wasn't really a fashionable horse at all last year. I think even after winning the stairs hurdle, and he bombed out at Punchestown. So um, I I thought he was. I didn't think he was beaten in the Lismullen hurdle. I thought he was coming back. When he came down, I know he was he led by longer than he was leading by at the time of his departure, but I thought he was coming back. I think there's every chance he would have won that. So I think he's a wee bit underrated. And I think Ronald Pope was underrated as well. I thought mm. that was a hell of a run on Sunday over two and a half miles. We, we, he's probably better over three. Um, he was a little bit unlucky the season before last in the stairs hurdle. He stayed on well to finish second behind this cigar Oscar after making a pretty bad mistake. So, yeah, I, again, he's not that fashionable a horse and 
people see him as maybe a more of a bridesmaid than a bride but and and he like he's he's going to be nine as well which is not ideal it's like nine is better than ten but it mm-hmm. is hard to win it's like it's a whole english driver i think barracuda maybe won at nine big bucks won at nine but it is it's those top-notch stairs hurdler winners who have won it at that type of age you're, you're more looking for a seven or an eight-year-old i think than a nine-year-old but he's a fairly likely race nine-year-old and I, I just think he might be a wee bit underrated in the market yeah there's a certain standard set by the likes of ronald pump who's been there and done it before and florin porter did it um just last year that these other ones that you know short prices have to have to at least uh, match and improve upon and th- there's no guarantee they're going to do that on everything we've seen so far uh, paddy i'll come to you on this um Time Hill wouldn't have been the first horse to go to France and uh, and disappoint, but now on a bit of a retrieval mission. Um, I mentioned, you know, some of the other ones in there. Uh, where do you where do you see the the stairs hurdle right now? As muddled as it looks. Well, I suppose off the back of the the French effort, he's a little bit more backable now, isn't he? There's, you can get a bit of it about Time Hill now, but you can. I think, lads. Although come Cheltenham, he is going to be ten year old. I think it's very very hard to knock Sarah de Burley because mm. you know. Although he was turned over in in the Liz Mullen, um, you know he's a horse who stays further. Obviously, he had to give the Rasso a bit of weight, but it was still a very very respectable run. And for a horse that will be, he is rising ten. It's not exactly to say he's a French bred. You know he didn't start out as early maybe as 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 they normally do. So he's only run nineteen times. So for his age, he's not got stacks of miles on the clock, and you can't get away from the fact that. When he's turned up at Cheltenham, he's won at two festivals. I mean, he carried top weight in the last attempts that he won. Um, you know, he's shown up on the big days. A horse who stays really well, handles cutting the ground. I thought that was certainly not a bad effort the other day over, you know, a, probably an insufficient sort of test for him. And I think at round about 16s, he would represent a bit of value for me for, for a horse who certainly knows his way around there. Yeah, fair play. Okay, that's side de Berle. Demo, you're you're a fan of side de Berle, as we know, but plenty of these in this field you'd be a fan of. And uh, with the news that Abacadabras could be going to the stairs hurdle, it must feel like a little plan you concocted in your head is might actually come together. Yeah, I said this wasn't after Aintree last year. Um, mm-hmm. I said that I'd love to see him over three miles buried deep. You'd see him and Time Hill eyeballing each other like two madmen. Um, but yeah, I just there is something about Abercadabras. Um, Florian Porter will suit him perfect. Now, getting past Florian Porter is a different story altogether. But Abercadabras, um, that running style will definitely suit him. It also makes sense as Abercadabras just isn't good enough really to to beat Honeysuckle. Um, but it, it's still a good sign of where he is as a horse because I thought the last day he was ridden to to find out a bit more about him tripwise. I don't think they minded about winning or not. Um. I thought the ride was because Abracadabras gets over. It gets over explained that this horse is a hold up horse, really, because um, a lot of like when he won the Morgana hurdle, he wasn't that far behind the front. Uh, he was a lot further behind the last day, I thought, than he has been for quite a while. Um, he needs something to be chasing down, but he doesn't need to be at the back of the field. So that kind of thing. And I agree with Don. I think Ronald Pump has been, I think he's been an unlucky horse in his career. Um, he, like, Last season, that injury obviously put kind of pay to his chances because, like, I wrote the blog for Keith Dunhu last year for Bookmakers of Code at UK. Keith Dunhu had turned down the ride. Um, a winner, he beat Vanillier. I forget the name of the horse now, but um, he he had turned down a, basically a winning ride, like a horse that he he said in the blog that he thought was uh, was definitely going to win. Um, and the horse obviously did a fruit, Delen. 
and he turned down that ride to go down to Leperstown to ride Ronald Pump. And by the time he got to Leperstown, he got the phone call that Ronald Pump was injured. And obviously, Ronald Pump's been out for the season. That's how highly he's rated Ronald Pump. So, yeah. like, this horse is he's a, an improver. Yes, age might be a small bit against him, but he hasn't had the chance to maybe run at the top level as much as he should. Matthew Smith, as I've said for a long time, is an absolutely superb trainer. So, Abacadabras at 20s and Ronald Pump at 16 to 1, Dean, would be the, my two plays. In this, and as I said already this season, I've had a, a small early season play on Gayard de Mayneil, um at 33 to 1 or so, just in case he does end up turning up to a, a race like this, because I think his best performance last year was over three miles at Leperstown, his form at Bob Ollinger, etc. I think Gayard de Mayneil could really be a springer in this market if if for some reason the uh, the old fences don't work out. Yeah, you're playing a, a bit of uh, Mullins Bingo there. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I only have what, eyes for one horse. Yeah, and I'm going to, on the assumption that Classical Dream is either going to blow out or not make it. And, you know, it'd be better if he was there because it's a better race. But uh, Time Hill at around 8 to 1 definitely interests me, although I want to see a retrieval mission in the long walk uh, when it happens. And, uh, of course, I already mentioned my theory about Sport and John, which looks uh, likely that it might come together uh, at around 20 to 1. Uh, the Wolves of there. Uh, have snapped up most of the even better prices, but there's there's 12 to one in some places, which seems very short, wouldn't advise that. But I do see um, a position where Florin Porter does what Florin Porter does, and you've got the likes of Time Hill, uh, Sporting John, and probably Ronald Pump snapping at the heels behind, and Time Hill's a horse with a massive upside. I hope uh, we get to see that come through at some point. Okay, look, we're going to take a break on um, the race hour now brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk. And when we come back, we'll have a look at the novice chasers, the novice hurdlers, and we will do a weekend flyby across some of the big races of the weekend, the Tingle Creek, the Beecher, the John Durkin, and anything else uh, that tickles our fancy for another big weekend of National Hunt Racing. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the race hour. Hello and welcome back to this week's Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Dermot Nolan, Paddy Aspel and Don McLean all on the panel this week. And uh, we spent time uh, before the break going through champion hurdle pitcher, gold cup pitcher, uh, a little bit of the stayers as well. And now we're on to novice chasers. Uh, the question that I've been given by Dermo in my uh, in my lead-in run-in here is how impressed have we been with the likes of Bob Ollinger and Brave Man's Game? Dermo? Take it away. Yeah, we kind of ran through both of them uh, last week anyway, Dean. Uh, Brave Man game, I'm going to keep this very simple, actually. Brave Man's game, really, really good, but I still would have question marks about what he's actually beaten, but his technique is superb and absolutely brilliant. But if he gets any shorter coming up to Cheltenham and the likes of Vanilla or somebody like that is taking him on, I might take him on. Uh, I just think he's, uh, I think he's excellent, but beaten twice last season when it kind of mattered at Cheltenham. An entry, uh, albeit by Bob Ollinger, but Gayer Domain will beat him as well. Um, and Bob Ollinger, I think, is just an absolute superstar. I too much cribbing of his uh, jumping technique. I just thought he he will have learned an awful lot on the day. That was a seriously high standard. He beat a stairs hurdle third in Bacardi's, who jumped around absolutely brilliantly. So. I think Bob Ollinger was less impressive over his fences, but a much higher standard of form and will have learned a lot more. Whilst Brave Man's game has nearly been foot perfect, but I've questions over the form and I think he's had it a bit too easy in front. So 
if that makes sense, Dean, there's kind of positives and negatives, but definitely far more positives with uh, with Bob Ollinger, obviously. Yeah, made sense. Made sense. Um, Don, we're dealing with reincarnations here, right? Brave Man game is Demon. Uh, Shiskin <laughs> is Altior. Uh, what's Bob Ollinger? Bob Ollinger is probably a bit of Altior and Denman kind of <laughs> spun in together, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you just don't know. Again, like we don't like he, he could be anything. I actually agree a lot with a lot of what Dermot said. Um, I didn't find it complicated at all. Uh, Brave Man's game was very, very impressive at Haydock. He, I, I, I thought he was really good. I thought Itchy Feet had a chance of beating him and Itchy Feet actually jumped okay for him. But Brave Man's game, he just... For a, a horse who was running in a second chase, his jumping was superb. He just seemed to love it. He was very fluent. And when Itchy Feet came to him at the last, he just, Harry Cobden gave him a squeeze and he just came away. So it was a really, really taken performance, I thought, visually. But I agree with Dermot in that it's hard to see where he's going to improve because he was so good that day. And look, he may not, he's not, he's not going to need to improve to win an awful lot of races. But Bob Ollinger. He was so good last year. He's held in such regard by Henry de Bromhead, who who knows a good horse when he has one, and he has a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, look, I I do do agree. His jumping wasn't flawless at Goran Park, but it was okay. And the good thing about that is it does leave room for improvement. So yeah, and and of course he he beat Brave Man's game pretty pretty impressively and pretty well in the Ballymore last March. So. Yeah, look, you're dying to see Bob Ollinger out again and, you know, with that experience under his belt. While you can be sure he would have done a lot of loose schooling in, in Henry's, you think under race conditions, under match conditions, he can improve again on that in his first run of the season, his his first run since March. So, mm. yeah, look, he's, he's just a hugely exciting horse. He has been really since he since he started out. And, yeah, I, 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 he's, a, he's of the two, I prefer Bob Ollinger, but... I wouldn't knock Brave Man's game too much. I think he's very good. Yeah, and he seems to have almost a clear run at the race he wants to go for. The festival novices chase the old RSA, and is currently around a five to one favourite for that. Something's going to be after very good to knock him off that perch. Um, and likewise for Bob Ollinger in in a marsh. Um, I want to throw a couple of the names at you, Don, if you don't mind. Ahoy, Senor, my Drogo. And uh, one you mentioned to us before, and I know Dermot's talked about since on podcast with us, is this Magic Days. Mm. Yeah, like my Drogo was probably a bit unlucky. Like he would have beaten Gin on Lime the last day. Um, so, And I thought he jumped well until then. I thought he, he was good until then. So he was a bit yep. unlucky. So yeah, he's on a retrieval mission, but hopefully he's on the worst for that. I'm sure he isn't. I haven't read that, he, read that he's, he's come back well. So yeah, lucky he's, yep. an, ex- he's an exciting horse. Um and yeah, Hoy Senor, yeah, look at you know, I think he's 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 good, but Magic Days is the one that excites me most. Yeah, I think um I went I went looking for a price about her for the Arkle after the Mayor's novices heard last season and couldn't get one. She wasn't quoted, so I left her alone. If I, and if you ask for prices you tend to get about half the price you would have got. <laughs> if you ask if you ask, <laughs> if you Don, ask we're definitely you, in trouble. Maybe get me to ask for no one. <laughs> Um, and then, then she got beaten at Galway, and like I, you know, she's the horse. I was asked for the racing TV magazine to put up one horse, and somewhere else, I think the the Paul Ferguson book as well. Yeah, for one horse, yeah. and she's the one that I just thought was way under the radar for lots of people, um, because the run, her run in the Mayor's Novices Hurdle was a phenomenal run. She was keen and free early on. She was up with the pace. She led the whole way in a race in which it was an advantage to be held up, like the first. 
she finished second and the other four fillies who filled the first five places they were all held up including tell me something girl who was last unlike a henry de brumhead horse but yeah and she kept on to finish second and then she got beaten at galway on her chasing debut but that was over two and a quarter miles on soft ground up galway's hill by a, a real stare in noble yates and then a cork the last day she was very very good she jumped mm. really well i i think she she could be an oracle horse still um the fact that she run she she's run so well at Cheltenham on her only run there, she jumps superbly well. The fact that she's a prominent racer, that's a positive in the article. She's only five rising six, so lots of potential upside. And she gets the mare's allowance, but the, the mare's allowance again seven pounds and put the kettle on. Of course, won the article two years ago for Henry as well. So yeah, yeah I, I'm looking forward to seeing her now and seeing where she's going to go next because I, I think she's very exciting. 20s around for magic days for uh, the Arkle uh, come March at the moment. Paddy, give you a real tricky question here. There's a few novice chasers around uh, that we've yet to see that are going to be super exciting. Likes of a Fernie Hollow or an Appreciate It. Um, they're going to come into the pitch yet and we haven't seen them. Um, I might even throw Dusart in there. It was super exciting before um, you know, injury and things curtailed. Uh, that one's progress. Um, there are some good ones still to come. Paddy. There is, yeah. Um, there's a bit of ground to cover for a few of them yet, which, you know, what we've seen so far, we've got plenty to be excited about, but we've got, yeah. as you mentioned, a good few of the others, Dusart, that have yet to come into the picture. Even Dancing on My Own, I think, is is, is worth a mention. And so, yeah, it's probably yeah. still early days because we've probably seen more of the hurdlers than we have of the chase or simply on to the to the to the dry the dry ground we've had so far. Um but of what we have seen, um I mean there's a case to be made. Magic Days obviously ran a very solid race at Galway taking on the boys. That's good form. And then obviously was good at Cork the other day. But I think it was a pretty bold statement, wasn't it, by Peter Scudamore about a high sinor. I mean his own yep. words were he said either the rest are no good or we're very good. Um and like obviously he reflected back and said, and the chances of the opposition not being very good is just rubbish talk. So, I mean, a high senior the other day at Newbury, early doors, he was very very starey. He knew he he well he hadn't been on the floor at Carlisle, but he made a very bad mistake. And Derek Fox is a, is, a, is a lad who takes a fair bit of shifting, so it was a fair old howler. And I think he knew about it the other day, but I just liked the way he really warmed to it and he absolutely smashed him out of the way the other day I mean he's a monster of a horse and all he does is gallop and he's just very very relentless and he's a type of horse I would love to have on my side because he just seems a little bit I don't know how to phrase it he seems a bit numb I think he would just run as far as he can for as long as he can he's that way out there's Mm -hmm. no quirks to him all he wants to do is jump and run very very straightforward horse and I think Lucinda's got a real, real nice one on here. And interesting that they, they went down south and sort of took took some scabs early doors off the back of a, of a mishap at Carlisle. I think it shows the confidence they've got in this horse. Yeah, yeah. It's the buzz horse at the moment, Ahoy Senor. Everyone talking about how impressive uh, that was. The next run will tell us a lot, like it will, with the likes of uh, My Drogo, of course. All right, that is um, a quick spin through some of the novice chasers and how they are shaping up. 
Um, Braves Man game has been the standout for me so far. So far, but with the Hoy Senor coming quickly up in behind, um, let's talk about. Dean, sorry, just, uh, Riviera yeah. de Tell needs to be mentioned as well. Um, yeah, that was impressive with she, all the allowances, brilliant. and yeah. she gets weighed from everyone, including Magic Days. So that Irish article at Christmas, she's she's still four, so she'll she'll be getting one hell of a weight concession that day. So even if Magic Days was to go down to Riviera de Tell by a few by a by a length or two at Christmas, it, you know that flips again going into Cheltenham the season after she, that. That way, she runs at Navin on Saturday. She's she's in at Navin on Saturday in the Grade Three race. To oh, she's there on Saturday. Race. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, perfect. And interesting, Excellent. yeah. She she has to carry. Obviously, that's a Grade Three race, and the Craddock Sounds a Grade Two that she won at Punchestown. So she's not getting as much. She's getting eight, eighteen pounds from Cape Gentleman. Yeah. So she's only getting, I think, five pounds because it's an it's an eight pounds penalty. That she has big shout, so yeah. So yeah, it'll be in, in, very interesting. I'm sure she'll be favourite, but it'll be interesting to see how she goes now. All right, not getting yeah. as much weight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that will be fascinating now. And I, I, I'll throw Rodoto into the mix there. I think they're going to enter again this weekend. Um, that could be any kind of tour. Another absolute baby in the fence uh, in the chasing stakes uh, for none other than Paul Nichols. But sometimes when you look at these English horses, it's like, when do they open up the without Irish markets for the Cheltenham races? Cause we might need them. Um, I'm going to move on to the, to the novice hurdlers. And uh, Paddy, I want to ask you about only one horse really. Um, because the novice hurdlers haven't blown me away this term, but I'll let everyone have a go at this. But uh, John Bon um, looks like a monster to my very untrained eye. Yeah, I mean, it was a funny old race, really, wasn't it? Because it took them so long to get to the tapes. But nonetheless, once they did get going, because he seems quite on it, doesn't he, John Bond? Um, you've seen him beforehand, and even afterwards when he pulled up, you know, he's you just wouldn't have this fella going around on, on the buckle end. And generally, the, the good ones do have the quirks to them. And this lad mm. certainly looks like he's, he's a bit fruity in that way. But that was very... Flighty. Very, there's no doubt. I mean, the thing about John Bon is, for a horse who's come from the pointing ranks, I really liked his technique at the first time of asking the other day. He didn't come up too high in the air. He he jumped like a hurdler, albeit, you know, he'd, he'd come from the pointing field, which just tells me he's just a very, very natural athlete. Um, He was very quick through the air. He, he, he barely left the floor the other day, and he was on the landing side. And, you know, in the end... I know it turned into a little bit of a dash for home, but it was just very, very likable. Um, he didn't do much wrong throughout the race. I thought he was going to be keen, but he settled quite nicely. And look, there's always pressure. And even if they went one by half the track because of the price tag that he came with, you're, someone's going to pick a hole somewhere. But that the other day for a starting point, there wasn't much wrong with it at all, was there? No, and uh, I, I was I was lit up by it, albeit by the by the the fast at the beginning. Now, Don, the weather that le- means that the seventh two the surround for a supreme makes mm-hmm. sense when the ground is stopping some of the other main protagonists from uh, from even getting a run yet. But he's the first one to come and light the fire for me. Uh, but recency bias in play with the market, Don. <laughs> Yeah, look, that's it. Look, you have to be impressed with him. As Paddy says, he was very, very good. They they walked for the first, whatever, minute and a half before they got to the start. <laughs> but he did it very well after that. And listen, to Aidan Coleman chatting afterwards, um, he was, you know, he, he obviously everybody was under instructions to get a lead because they're all young horses and they're, it was his first run over hurdles. But he did it well. Um, I, think, I think the runner-up good risk at all. Like, he didn't jump at all mm. well on his first run. And... He didn't at Chepstone. He didn't. He didn't jump well in the early part of the Newbury race. He did warm to it, 
and he's probably a horse who will improve as he as as his hurdling technique improves. But John Bond, he he probably couldn't really have done much more than he did, Dean. I'd say, but you know, because of his relative and because of his price tag, he's all like the bookmakers are always going to take that opportunity to to shorten him up. So he's probably shorter, like he's he's definitely shorter than he should be on form. And you know, we've got so much more to see from the novice hurdlers. Like sure, Willie Mullins hasn't got cut out and running yet at all. Yeah. So yeah, he's short for Supreme Novice's hurdle. But yeah, you can't you can't knock what he's done. But yeah, I would I definitely wouldn't be getting involved with him for a Supreme Novice at the moment at the price. No, no, I, I completely understand that. He's short, but he's dead cool. Demo, mm. I, I like how how, how <laughs> cool like is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> short but dead cool. Yeah, thank you. No need to repeat it, Don. That was unfair. Um, <laughs> Demo, uh, you're I emphasized the dead cool part, Dean. You got that. <laughs> you, you did, in fairness, and I do appreciate that. Um, I am also quite short. Um, Demo, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I thought uh, I thought Willie Mullins last weekend was uh, he got one hell of a sight around the whole division, really, didn't he? When Statuaire got up to beat my mate Mozzie. Now I know my mate Mozzie met the last wrong, but still, I can't envisage that Statuaire is that high up the rankings down there at um, at Close Sutton. So. When he's doing their work at home now with you know Kilcrut and Sir Gerhard and whatever else is there, because you have to remember with Willie Mullins, the likes of Gerhard, the Mayneil wasn't really on many people's ra- you know mm. radars before Leperstown last Christmas. So I I think Willie Mullins went away from that. Now I love John Bond as well, but I'd say he just went away from that smiling, going, I, I've got a proper gauge now at home that I can you know run statuary against my lads at home, and we can properly figure out where we are because there's just there's so many horses down there i'd say that are are literally just just winding up now as we speak so i just wouldn't wouldn't be surprised once again if we end up with uh, a wp mullins kind of domination of the uh the novice hurdle ranks but at least thank god jumban is there anyway as a bit of interest all season long as well dean you know yeah yeah i'm super excited about it unfortunately i'm i'm not involved at any stage already so yeah maybe the irish come out and then i can get stuff yeah, into John yeah Bond exactly. when uh, yeah. when when these markets uh, develop and it's a difficult division to talk about because of the weather that we've had um affecting you know some of these these better horses coming out there is a, a, a line in here um around any handicappers you would view as winners in waiting that's a tricky question because one don won't want to give away any uh, secrets <laughs> um it, but Paddy saves all his other stuff for the, the today stuff on William Hill and Dermo. We know all the horses you like, so yeah. I, I'll open the floor here um, to anyone who wants to throw a handicap in it. And no one wants to hear me say Galahad, Quest, Zanza, Il Rodoto. We're, we're bored to the teeth. So Don, good luck. Um, one I put up actually on as a horse to follow on Bookmakers Dakota UK recently is the Dash of Conway. I yes. thought he ran a, a very interesting race at Navin. Not not an interesting race. He was just free and keen early on and uh just faded. Like even even go down to the second last flight, he was travelling really well and he just got overhauled in a race in which they went to fast pace, helped by him and Dixie Flyer, who's a, a front runner or a prominent racer. And that was his first run since back in May last year when he won a, a, a his maiden hurdle at a big price under Keith Donahue, the aforementioned Keith Donahue. Um yep. And like he was beaten five or six lengths in the end by Clarence, but he was, he ran way better than that. He, and, and with that run under his belt, he should settle it even better. He's a very, very good jumper of his hurdles. 
and he got he only got a pound for that. Look at the it's fairly you know it's within its grade. He's only he's rated one hundred and ten, but I think that like he could be a really well handicapped horse off that. And he's in he's entered at Punchestown on Sunday in a two and a half mile hurdle, which I think would probably suit him all right. Um, mm-hmm. If he takes his chance in that, he'd be interesting off a mark one hundred and ten. Okay, thank you. That's uh, yeah. Dash of Conway. Love that. All right, and do check out Don's horses to follow on bookmakers.co.uk um, every week. Um, this is well worth uh, getting your trackers open and filling them up. Demo, did you have something special for me in this? Yeah, um, once the market comes open, I'll be doing a small anti-post on uh, Gabby Nacco to win the Coral Cup. I think there's just something slightly wrong with his technique over mm-hmm. fences. I think he's showing that he's in the absolute form of his life. Um, and I think they will. That mark of 139 over hurdles will be something that I don't think Gavin Cromwell will be able to leave. Um, so something like the Coral Cup with him, you know, we got no run for our money in the Martin Pipe last season. He could end up back in that again, but I don't think they'll they'll let him go off that that kind of rating again. But he's been running really, really well over fences. I really like him. Uh, I just think there's there's I think he, he'll hit a ceiling quite soon over fences, and I just think that mark over hurdles will be too much to to walk away from. And speaking of walk away, he's another horse I really like as well. Uh, Premier de Bromhead once he comes out. Um, I think he's absolutely excellent. And my last prediction for the season, which we'll, we'll throw out now, I think Fury Road will end up on a decent rating, and I think he'll end up in something like the, the Taisi's Chase or the Irish Grand National or something like that. Um, I think he, he's just that, that little bit off, that kind of top class over fences, but I'd love to see him jumping around in a Irish Grand National or something like that. I think he'd, he'd be very interesting. Yep. Totally uh, would would back you up with that one. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw Fleur jump uh, a fence recently. Yes. Back back with Gordon Elliott, um, and w- was flipped. We thought, um, I think to, to Edward O'Grady, but um, no, to Bolger. Right. It, it said ah, online, okay. but yeah, that, okay. that, that that never happened. His technique's still not there over fences. I think Dennis O'Regan. It's one of the best losing rides I've seen in a long time. Dennis O'Regan <laughs> gave it an absolute peach every time he he hit one. Now like. Dennis O'Regan is brilliant anyway, we all know that, but every time he hit one, Dennis O'Regan really let him kind of recover and get his confidence again. The fact that he was that close was down to what was an absolutely brilliant ride. Uh, if he can improve his technique, he's definitely a handicap chase winner in waiting as well, Dean, yeah? Yep, I would throw that one into Nick's. Paddy, this is a tricky act to follow now. Well, there was a horse I actually mentioned when we were on the pod last week, lads, and I thought he was unlucky the other day, and I think there's a real big stay in race in him, is the dabbler. Because, yes. I mean, we mentioned, um, I actually messaged, I haven't spoke to Dennis Regan in a long time, but I messaged him Monday morning when sat watching the replay. I mean, I thought he was exceptional on Sunday. Um, you know, and you could see how much it meant to him. It had been a long time since he'd won a, a grade one. But I thought he was very, very good on the second part of the double on smoking gun. But the dabbler, Fairy Hill Run and, and Danny Mullins, they weren't able to take Connor Orr far enough up the track because he's a horse who does DOS in front. And Connor, he was stuck in a rock and a hard place. He's had to hang fire and hang on to the dabbler. And unfortunately, although he had a lightweight, Dennis just had the momentum and the revs up on him. He's winged the last and, and, and you know, a horse who stays that sort of trip, the dabbler couldn't run him back down. But he's a great jumper, um, you know, and he's a horse who's still at the right end of the weights. I think in a very, very competitive race where horses can take him, as close to the line as possible. I think Liam Cusack, there's a real, real big pot in the dabbler for, for, for a small yard. 
Lovely, Paddy. Thank you. The dabbler is uh, is put up there as one to watch for one of these big staying chases. It will come his way. Um, okay, we're going to fly by some of the weekend um, races that are coming up, but literally fly by. Um, the Tingle Creek Don, we're not going to see Shishkin, but it looks like now with Paddy Mullins dropped up, we are going to see Shaq and Porsois take on Nuba Negra, Granatine, Captain Guinness and the Hitman, or should I just say Hitman. Um, looks like there's going to be five, Don, and uh, probably not the the greatest Tingle Creek of all time, but two of the main protagonists in this division will be there. Yeah, I think it's interesting, yeah. I think it's good. It, like, it, there are only five runners, but most of the ones that you wanted to see line up are there. Um, yeah. yeah, look, it's great that Shaq and Persuas is going to go over and Patrick Mullins taking the ride, so to see him around Sandown, that's going to be a sight to behold, and I think Captain Guinness as well, like to see him over those railway fences down the back straight, He's such a good jumper. I think Captain Guinness might be a bit... He, he's got a little bit of improvement to do this season, I think. I, I, like He's a horse that I liked last year and even as a novice hurdler. So I think he, like he doesn't have to improve an awful lot to get up uh, onto the coattails of the top two-mile chasers. And he seemed he settled a wee bit better in the Nace race the last time when he beat Andy Dufresne. So, yeah, I, I think he's an interesting horse. Whether he's, you know, he's got, what, £22 to find with Chacon Persois. So whether he can do that on Saturday and, and, and get the better from I'm not sure. It's a big ask. But he does have a run under his belt where Shaq Persuad doesn't. So yep. that'll be interesting. And Nube Negra was good the last day in, in winning at Cheltenham. Um, Hitman loves Sandown. Grenatine's probably been trained for this race. He loves Sandown as well. He was good there in winning the celebration chase at the end of last season. And his run in the Halden Gold Cup should probably team up for this. So... Yeah, like it's a it's it's a race that I think the betting is probably about right, Dean. I think you definitely have Shaquan Persois favourite. Um Captain Guinness maybe at the prices if forced to have a bet. But mm. yeah, it's I think it's a very interesting race. I'm really looking forward to seeing Shaquan Persois over this kind of test, like ultimate speed fences mm. coming at you. Sand down would be fascinating for it. Paddy. What do you what do you think in ground wise, lads? Has he ever tackled ground as lively as this? Chacun Poussois. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad at Leopardstown that the Christmas um, last year when he won. Was it? It was. It was just kind of. Yeah, and the Dublin Racing Festival when he beat Min that time as well. Don was was quite. It was. I know it was down as yielding, but that was that was quite decent ground. Yeah. As well, I, I mean, I think both the Nichols horses. Um, listened to Nichols this morning. Both them horses are going to have improved. Grenatine was a bit gassy. Um, but this has been the target for him. But he was a bit gassy on return, and but he's going to have to have come forward from that. I mean, Nuber Negra, I think, possibly didn't give his running, and maybe he'd had a busy season because he was well behind Shaq and Porchois, wasn't he, in, in Ireland when the last the, the last time they met. But, you know, he has got that defeat over him in the Queen Mother at Cheltenham. And, I mean, I think this is the type of horse puts a lot into his race as Nuba Negra. He's a, he's a typical Dan Skelton type. He travels strongly, fences well. You know, he's very economical. The earlier to middle part of the season is probably the, the time to have them on your side. So I think he's good value at 9-4. to four, But I think this is going to be a well-run race. And although we haven't got many runners, it's, you know, there'll be no hiding place. No, there won't be. Um, Demo, a line on the tingle? Uh, yeah, Dean, I don't have much to add on what the lads are saying there. Uh, I think uh, this race, particularly, like we were saying on the race hour last year, we didn't think that Cheltenham would suit Czech and Persuam. That definitely isn't something that we found out last year. I'd say he was just a bit under the weather at Cheltenham for 
whatever reason. But as you said, I think Sandown didn't. David Mullins called him like a little bunny, didn't he? The way he jumps. Mm. Uh, so I think uh, the likes of Sandown should should definitely really suit him. And if there is a without market, I I probably would back Captain Guinness in it, um, because I think he he looked a lot more straightforward last time against um, Andy Dufresne. He hopefully his head might be kind of getting sorted out. But yeah, no. I'll be uh, stick with the boring answer here, and Shaquem Versois should be very hard to beat. Yeah, and I think if Shaquem Versois doesn't win, it's I'll be hugely disappointed given what I expect him to be able to do at a track like Sandown. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And Patrick Mullins uh, on board. Shades of odds against still around. Okay, Dem, I'll let you go first on the beach. Uh, one horse that I was gutted didn't run in the Labrook was uh, Chris's Dream, but looks like they're going to come back and have another go at the National Fences after looking to shape very well in the big thing itself. Yeah, uh, very interesting there. Um, you know my take in these races always, Dean, is that I'm very slow to back any horse in a beat your chase to win from like 146 upwards because I'm just not sure. A lot of these won't, won't want to be ruining. Um, What's the merit in it? Yeah. Yes, no, I a Grand National Mark, you know. Um, so like you've got a few there, like Kimberly Candy. He's, he's, he's probably on a decent Grand National um, rating because I know for the Irish Grand National, you kind of want a younger horse. Was traditionally for the Angel Grand National, the older horses uh, from a place point of view would run well. So his age wouldn't be much of an issue and a mark of 150 is probably around right. Um, so with all that in mind, there's, there's, there's kind of one here that, cut, that caught my eye off 136. If he's any aspirations to be running in, in better races than this, it is check it out. Um, last time at uh, Ascot, that was a real improvement of a run uh, behind Larry. Um, now he was six and a half lengths behind, but he really traveled up quite well. Um, Twiston Davis has obviously had a hard enough start to the season after losing that that kind of chunk of horses but last weekend he'd um earl of the cotwells who obviously won for us here on the podcast and he's yep. had a few more his his he's a very good trainer and i i know he's lost horses and maybe he's not as fashionable as he once was but he's still excellent and uh the likes to check it out at seven years old he just cries out to me dean as a real nigel twist and davies improver you know the the more he goes on the kind of better he gets so off a mark of 136 running off 10 stone and jordan Naylor claiming an additional tree I think you're you are looking for the likes of a like a view Leon Rouge probably he's not out of this either at 12 because we know that he'll uh, he'll be going all out to win this so I think for her for in this you're looking for a horse who, who will definitely be trying and um, check it out is in a position where marked wise it doesn't really matter so uh, or sorry he needs to win to be kind of getting into to, to better races so he'd be the one for me there Dean about about 12 to 1 okay check it out Jordan Naylor a pilot going places Um, good shout for number 17 there, check it out. Don, so is this the Potemps qualifier of, um, <laughs> of Ancient Grand National? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I actually think that Kimberly Candy, this might be his target. Okay. And I know he ran at the National last year, but he he's running the National now. He never really traveled in the National last year. Um, so you couldn't say that it was the trip that found him out. But he ran in the Eider. And for me, he didn't stay in the Eider. Couple of years ago, now he was the younger horse. Then he's nine now, rising ten. But uh, yeah, I I think that this could be a, a race for him. He goes well fresh as well. Uh, he finished second behind Julian Rouge in the race last year, off 153. He's off 150 now, so he's three pounds lower. Whereas Julian Rouge is, I think, five pounds higher than he was. And I agree with Dermot. Julian Rouge wouldn't be out of this. He's he's 12. But Hello Bud won this as a 77 yeah. year old, I think, not so long ago. Oscar Time won <laughs> it as a 13 year old. So it is a race that. The older, you know, a lot of these, some of these chases, normally in these big handicap chases, you start with the young horses who've got the potential to improve. But with this race, historically, 
and according to the stats, an, an older like Vio Leon Rouge was eleven when he won it last year. So the older horses, they're 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 definitely not out of it, and you can argue a case that it's an advantage to be to have a little bit of experience on your side. Yeah, and definitely course form is a big asset to bring into this race. And Kimberlite Candy jumped well around the track last year and the year before when you fi- when you finished second behind Walking the Mill. So he's, I think he's just a horse who could this this could be his target rather than a stepping stone towards the national and um yeah i I wouldn't mind that uh he's you know he's a nine-year-old is probably a really good age for the race and soft ground the the the, call the ground soft good to soft in places but we know the national track is almost always softer than the mile may track and a wee bit more rain and it'll be proper soft ground and that'll suit Kimberlite Candy well I think three and a quarter miles like all his his best runs have been between three and a quarter and three miles five and soft ground over three and a quarter I think that could be close to optimum for him and back at a track where he's run well before over the fences yeah I think he's got plenty in his favour Nice Don that is um, available at double figures there's snippets of 11s but 10s is definitely around the village Paddy I saved this for you 2A per me was a horse that you talked about a good bit on this podcast in previous seasons I thought it ran right into the mix uh, with that fifth place finish the last day in, in the in the big chase in Ireland and there's money around for it uh, in the markets around 16 to 1 I thought you might land there yeah I mean I, I was about to call him he's a lovely old boy but I think you would forget that he's only still only an eight-year-old yeah. um, to a yeah. per me he's the type of horse unfortunately he's had to take his medicine hasn't he lads because he's won a couple of nice pots and you know the, the handicapper has been in charge ever since but you're bang on Dino I mean that certainly wasn't a bad effort at all Owen Walsh is going to take five pound off his back and he would certainly be looking a bit more tempted now off that sort of a mark it's interesting and very hard to rule him out I mean the fact that Chris's dream is declared here is really I mean from where are we at from 15 downwards all these horses are out of the weights I mean the, the pipe three down at the bottom are out by a fair bit um but uh, for me probably the horse that was interesting i thought looked very very ring rusty on his return was mighty thunder of lucinda's mm-hmm. a yard who in real good nick we spoke about them already i mean he's only an eight-year-old still mighty thunder um i thought that was a reasonable comeback in the charlie hall never really got competitive or looked like getting involved at all but it's still early days for him and his strike rate over fences isn't too bad at all he's four wins in a place from just seven starts so for me still early days for mighty thunder so i'd probably give him a go but as we know plenty of luck involved here but at least a good few of these have got track experience yeah, going to be set up for a cracker at uh, that beach. I did it a very big disservice calling it the Potemps qualifier for the Grand National. But, you know, <laughs> we'll leave that in. Um, okay, Don, uh, John Durkin, we mentioned, uh, you mentioned already Fakir Dideri could be a horse to step into a Gold Cup pitcher. Only nine to four to get it done against mm. M4 Allen this weekend. Yeah, he's short, isn't he? Um, I suppose a lot depends what runs, Dean. We'll have declarations tomorrow morning. Yeah. But look, Envoilen, it's his race, isn't it? I think Henry de Brum had his earmarked for him two and a half miles. It's, on, on what we know, it's probably his optimum trip until we know that he can be as good over three miles or further. Hopefully, we'll get to find that out soon. Mm. Um, Alaho could run here, although he was pretty well beaten in the race last year. That was through the fog. And I don't know, Paddy, does that have an impact on horses running through the fog? No, not to my knowledge. Um, yeah, but it, it, it ju- just visually, it was so disappointing for all of us, wasn't it? That we yeah. get, we we missed out on so much good action that day. It was very frustrating. But um, look, an awful lot depends on what runs, Dean. But 
Um, look, Envoy Allen, I think he's 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 the one to beat. I think um, he probably hasn't fully got back to the position in people's psyche that he had before he fell at Cheltenham last season. So uh, I think he's, he, you know, for all that he's a very high profile horse, he still m- might be a little bit underrated. I think he, you know, he could he could prove this season that he's a very very talented horse and could take all the beating wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, Fakir Dideris is a horse, so I can see maybe improving again as the season goes on. But Envalen has that kind of superstar potential, superstar status still in my book, and yeah, he's the one they have to beat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, d- demo Envoy Allen's gone from being one of the most overrated horses in training to perhaps j- slightly underrated. But if he goes and wins this, and then maybe if Henry is brave enough, Irish Gold Cup, um, the Gold Cup dream is on. Yes, yes, exactly. So I know this will kind of dictate everything now, really. Um, him and Alaho for the same owners going for the the Ryanair next year will be some sight. Um, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, Fakir, he he's a horse I never really rated properly enough. But God, he was brilliant at injury. He, he's just an excellent horse. Um, and it's uh, really interesting. But yeah, you, you just you know you can't be getting involved just just yet. And it's hard to know which of Willie Mullins's will turn up as well. But um, this was a race that. We went from Willie having an absolute stranglehold over it, and obviously he still has a lot of good horses for it. But you know, Henry de Bromhead, his uh, his tentacles are getting into every every division and every trip now, really, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, Don said before that he is the Nichols now of the Dem and Corto Star era, and uh, it's another one to throw into the mix. And um, super exciting to see. Hopefully, you know the list that we have at the moment: Envoy Allen, Fakir Dairy, Alaho, Steering for Long, Jalboon, Photo, Janadil. I know they're not all going to run. But let's hope we get a good uh, sprinkling of them uh, in action in that John Durkin. Um, look, we've come to the point, uh, gentlemen, where if you want to throw anything else into the mix from the weekend, please do. And to give you a second to compose yourselves, um, I'm going to throw Galahad Quest into the mix for Aintree in the 12.55. Expect the ground to be suitable. Expect lots of improvement um, from the run in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. Interesting that they choose to go uh, to entry for this. Uh, stepping stones all the way to the Gold Cup 2023. Um, and also Il Rodoto is entered again up for Paul Nichols after that. Um, sparkling performance, obviously only a baby in the chasing ranks. And I'll throw that one into the mix as well. You'll find that on the same card. Demo, why don't I go too fast? Uh, yeah, um, at Navan, there is a very interesting race uh, over three miles and a half a furlong, uh, Duffelcourt runs here off 11 8, 143. Uh, probably doesn't have all that many pounds to maneuver with, but he's still well enough handicapped. Um, he beat Adagio quite comfortably last season at Cheltenham. That horse was second in a Greatwood off 147. So I think Duffelcourt, he's uh, he's still, I love this horse, uh, won four times last season. I think he was a bit under, uh, under kind of underappreciated for actually what he put up last season. So off that rating, I think he's extremely interesting um in the 205 at entry dean i thought imperial aura if he can get his act together yeah, jumping wise, yeah. at 11 to 2 protector at 7 to 4 i think imperial aura is better than him and um, but it'll all depend how he bounces back from uh from that and then in the three o'clock at um at sandown on saturday been a real season of reckoning and comebacks for uh philip hobbs and tom o'brien uh um, and I thought Daisha Abba put up his best performance in a long time when second to Kashari at um, at Aintree. I just thought that was a super performance. He went off a 25 to 1. I don't think all that much was maybe expected. And it has to be remembered that Sandown is where he's best at. Um, he, he won here last season and he won here the season before. So off a rating of 140, which is only three pounds higher than for that win last season when he beat Kustar Savola. 
uh, especially with the yard horses going that much better. I think six to one about him. I know Strictly Dancer is the favourite, and he doesn't look like he's going to stop losing, but he, he's up another seven pounds. Um, so if he keeps winning, he's obviously a superstar, but I think Deja Abba is just very, very well handicapped. So the two, my main two to follow this weekend, Dean, is Deja Abba and, uh, and Duffelcoat. Yeah, it wouldn't be a surprise to see another Trevor Hemmings uh, comeback kid with Deja Arbor after such a great weekend, of course, um, in those colours. Uh, Don, I'll come to you. Yeah, um, I thought in the Henry VIII chase, there the, there should be, the, the Edwardson should be closer to third time lucky in the market than he is. I think third time lucky is a, is a good horse, um, but I just thought that he became very fashionable all of a sudden when he won at the Cheltenham October meeting. And he won again the November meeting. Probably wasn't as impressive having gone on. And he was kind of run down by Sebastopol, closed home or closed on by Sebastopol. And now in fairness, Sebastopol probably would have won at Kempton next time or almost certainly would have won at Kempton had he had he not fallen. Um, but I think Edwardstone jumped very well the last day at Warwick. He was brought down his first run back at Warwick. He was unlucky to be brought down. That was a race of do your job who reopposes. He won it. Um but he jumped really well the last day. He was a very nicely progressive hurdler last season. He ran a lot of those big handicaps. He finished third in the Betfair hurdle and fifth, I think, in the county hurdle. So he is a he's a he's a talented hurdler. I think he was rated higher over hurdles than he was than third time lucky was or is. So mm-hmm. and he jumps well. Like he's a third time lucky is a six to four shot and Edwardson's a nine to two shot. <clears throat> I don't think that makes much sense. I think Edwardson should be closer to him in the betting than he is, and he could well beat him. Um and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Riviera does help as we were discussing earlier on back at Navan on Saturday. Yep, yep, good shout out for that one as well. That um, Henry VIII novices uh, looks a bit of a belter. Edward Stone, Manila Drama, Stone and Silver, third time lucky warlord, and uh, my four year old Uradota. I wish it was mine, Paddy. Uh, Navin for me, Dino. Uh, first race yep. on Saturday. There was one on Mulrine's horses here that Willie Mullins trains called what do you want um he's making his hurdling debut and i mean i remember when patrick won his bumper on him he, back in january and apparently the reports were at home he'd been pretty underwhelming and generally they're the ones that can come alive a bit on the track and he did so on debut but patrick gave him a lovely ride gave him plenty of room and went round the outside and he got the job done and i mean he finished third behind kilcrush um in the future stars at, at leopardstown in february and tom hamilton rode him and Although there was only 10 runners, he went round the inside and the horse just really didn't appear to sort of uh, appreciate that. And, and he really lost his position and got a long way behind. And although he was a long way behind Kilcrut, the ground he made up was unbelievable to finish third because at one point he was literally tailed off. Um, interesting to see how he's progressed over the summer, this boy. Um, but he makes his hurdling debut over two and a half on, on Saturday and he certainly looks like there's a fair engine there and wouldn't like him to get much shorter than what he is. But what do you want in the first at Navin on Saturday? Yeah, you'll have to get up early. 11.30, uh, that race goes to the post at Navin on Saturday. What do you want? Um, okay, thank you, everyone, for your um, your snippets and pieces for the weekend. Uh, that has been an absolute pleasure to have uh, Dem and Nolan, Paddy Aspel and Don McLean on the podcast this week. You've been listening to The Race Hour. Uh, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Don't forget, Champion is out now as well. Pat Smullen's uh, memoirs. Do go check them out. And um, thank you very much, gents. We'll do this all again next week. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news, and bookmaker reviews.